What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning, while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello, and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, what's going on? Eric, good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to be back with you. I'm, I'm excited. I like spending time with you. Uh, and I really like spending time with you when you have guests on the show because I get to learn something completely new and different. Well, it's either that or you don't have to talk as much in those episodes. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that part, but now that you've now that you called me out on the carpet, yeah, I'm just you know it's Monday morning, a little tired. I'm just going to let you handle everything. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, who'd you bring on the show today? So yeah, today we've got a guest. His name is Bill Harmson, and it's it's funny. I'm going to let a little secret out. So. I come up with the title of, of, of these episodes, and then I kind of figure out either what we're going to talk about or who we should invite to, to bring in and, and see if they'll come in and accept the challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so today's title is Vision, Strategy, and Structure. And, and these are words that I really use a lot at my office for, for my team or my staff, but also for clients too, because if, if you're going to build something, I think you got to have these things. You know, you got to have a vision of where you're trying to get to and, yeah. and all that. And when we created this podcast, it's called the Win Podcast, what's important now. And, and anybody can sit uh, in Bill's chair or my chair or your chair and, and, and say, we're going to set goals for 20 years from now. But you know what? Then something unusual happens in life or, or the event that you're trying to manage and you got to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. You know? But But I think you still have to fall back on these three words. And so... I thought of Bill because I'm going out on a limb here and, and we're going to see if he agrees with me <laughs> that, that these words are of any value to, to maybe what he does or what he believes versus what I do or what I believe. And then we'll see if it all ties together. Deal. <laughs> so I don't know if we're winging it. But Good luck, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. So, so yeah, I'll, I'll open up the, the mic here to Bill and he can just give us a little background on, on who he is or whatever he wants to talk about. Well, thanks, Corey. Uh, really, uh, thanks for the invite. And this is something that I didn't expect coming uh, from you and uh, from a firm like you got, you have and, and to sit and talk vision, strategy, and structure. And I'm sure there's a lot of different avenues that we can crisscross. And, and because without a proper vision and without everybody rolling in the right direction, things just don't work. And uh, so a little bit about myself. Um, I'll be entering my uh, 29th year of education was a high school guy for 24 years and then uh dort university actually called me like eight years ago and i was not interested in uh, what dort had to offer at that point and i was at a high school that was very successful and we had tremendous athletes and winning some state championships at the high school level and and i honestly kind of thought the college game had passed me by it's uh it's a young man's game i think and and especially in the women's side and so it it, I just kind of thought that it passed. And uh, then six years ago, Dork came calling again, and I said no three times. 
and uh, the athletic director was very persistent and the president and the provost at that time. And, and so I went and interviewed and they just made it, the, the community at Dort University was just fantastic. Uh, they committed a few extra things to me in regards to an assistant coach and, and of course finances and all these things for, and scholarshiping for our team. And, and uh, then it started looking a little bit rosier than what it initially started. So I ended up accepting the position. I didn't leave uh, the school I was at due to I signed my contract. So they found an interim coach for one year, and uh, which I thought was very humbling uh, that they were willing to wait and put things on hold. Then I arrived in June 1 of 2018. And so uh, and then since that time, it's just been a whirlwind. It's been a lot of fun. We have tremendous kids, tremendous athletes that not only excel on the court, but also in the classroom too. And uh, we just got back our um, our average grade point average, and our entire program again was at a three seven nine, which is incredible. So they're really getting it done, not only on the floor with their hard work and effort, but also in the classroom. So lots of really fun things to uh, talk about with Dort University. And I don't know if you want to go that route, but um, but it's been a blessed coaching career and uh, you don't see a lot you know it's sad to say in coaching that people get out a little bit earlier today just because of pressures or anything on the outside that's coming into your program and and uh, um, so to be one of those uh, guys that are getting a little bit longer in the tooth right a little bit older it feels really good to continue to be able to impact kids and influence kids and and then of course be a part of a great university. And so what I'm reading between the lines there is that winning really doesn't matter to you. No, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think winning is kind of a byproduct of everything else, right? I think uh, when you look at your philosophy and your vision and your structure and, and uh, the strategy of what you're doing, uh, winning is a, is a byproduct of all those things. And so, yeah, winning is, it's important. You know, I wouldn't have done this if we didn't think we could, you know, challenge for a conference title or national championships. And, um, I probably wouldn't have done it because it's, it's part of it. Um, but in the end, we want all of our women to walk across stage and be employable, be fantastic wives to their husbands and, uh, raise families in the name of Christ. And, and, you know, those are all the things that are way more important to me than the win. Right. And so when you took that job, did you have the same vision for the program that you have today? No, no. Great question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, uh, when I first got there, it was just uh, completely changing a mindset, right? We had a, we had a, I don't think we had to teach kids how to win. We had to teach kids how to prepare to win. And that was a big difference. So practice structure, off season work, preseason work, doing tough things together, um, and then setting a standard that they couldn't quite reach. And then when they did, then we'd bump it up again. And, yeah. and so that first year, I'll never forget, we were 12 and three at Christmas time. They had 14 wins the year before with the interim coach. And man, I was feeling pretty good <laughs> about what was going on, right? Man, our, 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 you know, the vision, all those things. And again, it changed, but man, we were really moving in the right direction. And then in the second semester, um, I'm not going to say our team got their butt kicked. I got my butt kicked from all these great coaches that we coach against night in and night out. How teams change at the college game from the first time you play them to the second time you play them, it is almost night and day. 
And I learned a valuable lesson in that first year. And I went, I think we ended up seven and eight over the last 15 games. And then we uh, got beaten the first round of the GPAC tournament. And, and I remember uh, saying to our athletic director, um, man, I gotta, I gotta do a better job of long playing this stuff, not just trying to win that game on December three and throwing everything at them, but we got a long play it. And so since that time, you know, I think we've, we've always played our best basketball after January. And because uh, we, I kind of intentionally hold things back and keep rolling them out, then we'll roll it out in January in hopes that we can use it at the end of February. And, and the average fan never comprehends that, probably. No, but you might now. <laughs> I, might, I, yeah. might, I might have a new respect you're, you're for games have, now. You're going to have to look at it a little different. But I think that's even a, a, a fair statement, just what you were describing. If I think of, let's say, Duke men's basketball, mm-hmm. you know, or some of those coaches. Shashovsky's not there anymore. But I mean, good programs, good leaders probably do exactly what you just said about they play their best best basketball or it doesn't matter what the sport is at the end of the season when when it matters. Yeah. And we're gonna, you know, going into next year, I have in my mind what we want to do on the floor and how we want to accomplish those things. But a lot what you're gonna see at the beginning of the year is pretty similar to what you've seen at the end of this year. But by the end of next year, I'm hoping to have a lot of things different uh, just because of, you know, the kids that have graduated and kids coming in and, and also our players change too. And so we need to make sure that we keep ahead of them with what we want to do offensively and defensively um, because our players over the summertime take it really seriously and, and they always come back and I, and I always challenge them to get, you know, who's going to be the wow moment, right? When we see you back in August, are we going to sit there and go, wow, you know, look at you. And, um, so that, that's, that's why really, that's why I coach, right. To just see kids come in at point A and see how far we can take them. Right. So I think I know the answer, but I'm gonna throw it at you anyway. So if we're, if we're talking strategy, do you have a main philosophy that you are going to use no matter what year in, (laughs) year out, or Mm -hmm. do you, do you sort of throw it out the window depending on the skill set or the the roster of what you have at your disposal yeah that's a great question too the we had it it was three years ago and I went in with this new offense philosophy um and I loved it I fit our personnel well and we started implementing it and it did not go well it just was very clunky and I you know I quit banging my head up against the wall and scrapped it and went back to something else. And now we have kids, uh, you know, the women in our program now are so skilled and so talented that you can do just about anything at this point. And they're so smart that they just want more. They want to know what I'm thinking when I don't think it's even ready to roll out to them. And I think that's really fun. So uh, when I look at next year with our vision and our strategy, we're vision set, strategy is close, and then the structure with which we're going to do things, you know, will certainly change too because the needs of our women change as well. Right. Recruiting obviously has to be a big part of your success, not at the high school level, but at at, at the college Mm -hmm. level. Do you recruit... uh, 
smartness. I don't know if that's yeah. right. Um, <laughs> basketball IQ. Do you, do you, do you try to, to get pieces that you think you can mold or work with, or would you rather just have the most athletic kids? Yeah, I get pieces that we can work with. I know all the answers to these questions. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, with, you know, we want kids that are going to excel in the classroom. We want kids that I'm not going to have to worry about off the floor. Right. And, um, and a lot of times that, you know, smarts in the classroom doesn't necessarily make you a smart player. Okay. Just because of instincts and everything else. But in interviewing, you know, we vet these kids really hard um, because we can't, at Door University, we can't give a full tuition waiver. We can't, you know, give a free ride like you can in a lot of Division One institutions and even some NAI institutions. And, and so we do a really good job, I think, of vetting these kids. And um, of course, we, we're attracted to them because of what they do on the floor. But then through conversations with the kids, with the parents, their high school coaches, their AU coaches. Uh, we get to know the parents, and parents play a big part in it too because we want parents that are going to sit by each other and encourage each other and have fun together, and sure. and that's all part of that cultural piece too. Um, we won the GPAC title. The first thing I wanted to do is get a picture with all the parents because yeah. that was – it's never been done there before. And without great parents, those things don't happen. And so that was one of the first things that I wanted to do. And that was a great picture, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I laugh because in my office, I, I'm never satisfied, mm -hmm. meaning better, uh, better delivery to clients, uh, larger firm, more services. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm saying is a competitive nature or the will to win doesn't have to just be in sports. Oh, you no, know what I mean? No. Um, no. And, and actually that's one thing I'm kind of proud that I've instilled in my, my children yeah. in, well, they can play tic-tac-toe this afternoon. There's probably going to be a, a fist fight at the end of it because somebody <laughs> yeah. cheated or whatever. I, mean, I don't know. Right. But anyway, point of all that, you know, it, it, life is a short journey. I think you got to enjoy it. And, and I think maybe we are meant to compete to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think we're called to get up in the morning to just... Go half. Mail it in. Yeah. I don't feel like it today. Yeah. Um, I, you know, every day God gives you a gift, man, get after it. I, one of the things that my dad, and my dad's been gone for 23 years now, and one of the things that, that I loved about him, but it also really ticked me off about him, was God gave you a new day, get off your butt, <laughs> let's go. Yeah. And in later years, you kind of go, yeah, there's wisdom there. When you're 16 and you got to go pour concrete, you know, for the day, yeah, that's not always fun either. And, and, but still that's what a great lesson. And I use that with our team too, man, you got a new day. Let's, yeah, let's do this. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, honestly, whatever happened yesterday or in the last game or whatever, mm. it's gone. It's past. Move forward. Yeah. All right. This is more of a division one question, but I'll throw it at you. Any, what do you think of all this NIL name, mm. image, likeness, and then I'll follow it up with the portal, yeah. the transfer portal. You like any of those things? Yeah. Well, we've kind of dodged the NIL stuff yet. Um, it's coming. Um, you know, the formulation of policies and how ours, how we can serve our students well with the whole NIL thing. Uh, the NCAA, obviously, you know, the SEC, the ACC, life, is, life in Tallahassee is going to be way different than life in Sioux Center uh, regarding the NIL. But... At that large of a scale, 
you know, I know there's, I know there's colleges and universities that are uh, funneling it through the university a little bit more so they can kind of keep a handle on it so kids don't mess up, so people don't take advantage of them, which is really wise. Um, there's other places where it's just like the Wild West. And so I feel bad for kids and parents in this. Uh, you know, coaches at that level, they're still going to get players. They're still going to get kids. It's, yeah. You can say how much you don't like it or you do like it they're still going to get players. All right. At our, you know, where we're at in the GPAC, you know, I think just about every school has a policy regarding the NIL. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it's coming. All right. That, I mean, it's just part of it. And then the portal, um, I haven't even looked. Um, I, we've known each other for a while. The relationships that I build with my players, you know, I don't want a four year relationship. I want a 40. And you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days and you're going to, you're going to score 20 and then you're going to score two and it, you know, sports and life is just a roller coaster all the time. And so we try and we've, we've had a couple transfers, one from Nebraska that worked out really well for us and just a great player, but she understood the culture and she understood who we were and what we were. Uh, we've had another one that just didn't work out very well. And because the kids that we get, we try and, you know, we, we want them for four years. We want them to be with us and who we are and what we are. And um, so we haven't looked. I know we have other schools in our in our league that have uh, delved into that big time. And so, I, you know, there's a couple schools in our league. They, I know they got to get somebody in. I don't know who they got in. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see what these rosters look like. Uh, once we get to November. Well, and so, yeah, a lot of my basketball keeps going back to, to a different level. But if I think of Kentucky men's basketball, oh, yeah. let's say, you know what I mean? Some of these programs are, are I, I shouldn't say built, but they've chosen the path of we'll see what we can put together and win for one year maybe. Mm -hmm. Or they promise these kids we'll, we'll coach you up and get you to the NBA. That's right. Um, so it's not necessarily the same end result as, as what you're No, not, cooking. not always, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you're right, a 40-year a evolution mm -hmm. or result is better than a one-and-done one or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's got to be a, you know, a transformative experience as opposed to just a simple transaction. And I'm sure you right. do that with your clients too. You, you know, you want to build those relationships and, yep. um, and it just can't be a simple transaction. It's got to be deeper than that. And it's funny. I, I, I had a, a note here scribbled that I was going to use at the start. And as I do go off on tangents, Eric always laughs at me, but I mean, <laughs> a, a, a famous quote to me was always small minds talk about people, yeah. average minds talk about events, great yeah. minds talk ideas. You know what I mean? But now what we've just, went off mm -hmm. in a different direction was, was basically talking about people. Yeah. So the portal is small mindedness, essentially. I don't know. Huh, well, random. it's, it's a different, it's a different way of looking at, you know, for the win. Right. Right. And you look at what LSU did in women's basketball and what, and how I was doing in women's basketball. Yeah. I mean, there are two completely different routes at the same level and both are having incredible success. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, that's when the whole NAL thing came in, um, you know, like NCAA division twos, that almost becomes the, the Juco of old, right? Um, because these kids can up and leave and go whatever and there's no sit out time there's no wait period yeah it's just you can move and move and move and i don't want that to happen with our squad you know i want our kids to 
you know, we've already had a couple weddings this summer and everybody's there. And, you know, we want those relationships to continue to just grow and expand. And our women aren't going to go play in the WNBA, but they are going to have kids and go to the same schools with, you know, their teammates' kids. And, you know, right. it's just that whole community aspect and that community feel is what we hope to build. Well, and yeah, you know, I say that all the time to clients. It's not how much money you have or how big your pile is. Mm-hmm. You know, success is, is really built on what you want success to be. And a lot of times yeah. it's not the money. Yeah. And so taking money just to go play basketball at LSU because mm-hmm. they won last year yeah, maybe isn't the greatest life journey. <laughs> Might not be. And maybe they'll win it again. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But uh, Corey, you're exactly right when you say what is basically what is your end game here, right? What do you what are you really after? And and I'm not gonna say that our team doesn't have lofty goals. I mean, they got lofty goals. We went to the Black Hills and did a leadership retreat a few weeks ago, and man, they got lo- those women have lofty goals. It <laughs> it drives me because. Right. I know what it's going to take to get them there. Yep. Right. And, and now they got to work on it, but man, their goals are huge. The difference is, is I think with our program, you know, your purpose has got to be greater than that. And, and your life purpose has got to be greater than those goals. And, and I think, I think that's a nice, I don't know, when you, when you look at life and we're getting older and our kids are getting older and you kind of look back and you go, yeah, you know, winning that state title is pretty cool or, you know, getting, getting beaten that district final really stinks. (laughs) But man, if you know, your purpose and those relationships will last and that's what we're after. I'm I'm having a flashback. Uh, Eric likes my flashbacks, but I'm having a flashback in my book. I wrote, uh, I, I had a, a story about a guy who told me, you know, his goal was to have a million dollars. And I said, mm-hmm. how are you going to get there? Well, I got like $75 a month, he says, you know? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm thinking of that lofty goal yeah. compared to your lofty goal. And in that situation, I was the voice of reason and told him it sure as hell was not going <laughs> to yeah. work. Yeah. So if, <laughs> if your team, you don't have to totally throw them under the bus, but if you're, if your team team's goals are just crazy high you ever mm-hmm. close your office door and shake your head like man i probably should uh, maybe rain on the parade oh yeah yeah <laughs> um but this group this group is really talented and um i've been doing this a long time and we have depth in each spot yep. and um and at our leadership meeting we created our vision and and we talked about our goals and and with those goals i said you know what i want you to kind of rattle your teammates cage a little bit. I want you to, you know, set, set, set goals that are out there that other schools would go. We don't even dare, you know, we'll, we'll write it on the, we'll write it on the whiteboard, but there's no way the goals that I really challenge them to set are those that are just a little bit beyond that. Yeah. Right. Because again, I know what we have and, and I think, you know, our constituents, our fans, um, our parents, I think everybody knows what we have. Now it's going to be fun to see if we can just put it together again. And, you know, I thought our exit out of the national tournament last year was two games too early. Right. Right. And uh, it just, that drives me too. And I know that drives our players. Right. And because uh, they think the same thing. So it'll be really fun to just see us continue over the summertime to stick with it. You know, in those months of July and the August, you know, things can get a little bit long. Right. But 
it'll be really fun to see how they just continue to prepare. Hopefully they're not just putting away $75, right? I mean, <laughs> there you hopefully go. they're investing a lot more. Right, right. <laughs> oh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a, of a curve here. And this is a question we like to ask, ask everybody. But um, offhand, who is the most famous person you've ever met? Or maybe ran into or saw somewhere? I mean, it doesn't have to be a personal introduction. Um, this is a random... 2014 uh, Final Four in Indianapolis. Um, we had a group from Northwest Iowa that went down together, and and uh, this was when Fran McCaffrey got the Hawkeye job. And I, I'm not a Hawkeye fan, right? I, I'm, I'm a Cyclone, and and so I, uh, um, the guys that I was with were huge Hawkeye fans, and so uh, they yelled at Fran from across the street, "Go Hawks!" and he walked over and started talking to us. And I thought that was really, he didn't have to do that. Right. I thought that was pretty cool. That same walk, we ran into Jim Beheim. Oh, from Syracuse. From Syracuse. Yep. Same thing. He, he said, hey guys, enjoying your weekend. So those are, those two really stand out. You know, in passing, you go to golf tournaments, you know, you, you just have passing things like that. But Fran didn't have to do that. Right. He, he didn't have to. And, um, Oh, I had one back when Tim Floyd was uh, coaching at Iowa State. I went to Kansas City to a clinic, and he and I walked up to him and just said, "Hey, you know, huge fan. Uh, can't wait to watch your team play." Introduced him, gave him my name. After it was over, um, I don't know if he saw where I was sitting in the back, but he came and sat by me, and he said, "Hey, Bill, what'd you think?" Really? You know, what What'd you think about the talk? And and so we just sat, and he remembered my name, and. And we just sat and talked for a little bit, and I, that really made an impact. Mainly, he remembered my name. And so, like, right. I mean, that I try and remember everybody's names as best as I can. And um, just by saying, you know, calling people out just by their first name, man, it really makes, it, makes a difference. I'm having, a fla I'm having another flashback. Here we go. So <laughs> this is probably the mid-'90s, and I was in Las Vegas, and I was at the Mirage with some friends in the, near the sports book area. And all of a sudden I looked over and it was Bill Frieder. Mm. Who, yeah. So this is shortly after he was the Michigan yeah. basketball coach kind of left. I think it was kind of an ugly exit. He went to Arizona state and he's standing there talking to Steve Fisher, who was the then Michigan mm -hmm. coach in the middle of the sports book. And I remember looking at my friends, I'm like, this is kind of odd yeah. because yeah. this is like, it was in the fall. So it wasn't basketball season yet. Yeah. But I mean, this is before FanDuel and DraftKings. You know what I mean? This is kind of a different era. That's really odd. And I, I sort of did the walk close approach. You know, uh -huh. Didn't go out of my way to talk to him. I was a little scared. But I mean, I didn't get the warm and fuzzy feeling you're describing of Fran or yeah. Jim Beheim. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, I wonder what they were doing, right? It seemed like an odd place if you're just going to have coffee or That's right. chit chat. I don't know. Strange. <laughs> yeah, it makes your mind so kind if, of imagine. So if they're listening, I'll either hear from them or their attorneys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about, I'll throw you another basketball one. So I assume you've had a technical foul called on you at some point. Two. Two yeah. in a whole career? Yeah. That's yeah. not very many. I had, uh, I got one a few years back. Um, we were playing at Northwestern. We were playing against Haskell Indian out of Kansas and, and uh, we were ahead um, by a long ways. And, um, and I, there was an out-of-bounds right in front of me, 
off Haskell. We're up 30. And <laughs> I just said, man, not even you can explain that one away. <laughs> and, and he teed me up. All right. And then he looked, he, he winked. And, you know, it was just one of those things where, yeah, you, you shut up. Right. <laughs> and, and it's not a close game. If it was a close game, I'd overlook those things, but you know, you're blowing them out. So. Yeah. And I thought that was funny. And uh, another one was in the uh, state semifinals. My first year as a head girls coach, uh, we were playing against uh, OABCIG. Uh, they were, had a 52 game win streak. Um, and that was back when uh, Iowa still had the seatbelt rule where coaches could not stand. And uh, I was right in front of our bench again, and, and their best player by the name of Jesse Pauly. She went and played at UNI, and, and she rode my point guard right into our lap, right? <laughs> and I stood up and told them what I thought, because that would have been foul number three with two to play in the second quarter. She's out, right? Right, right. And uh, instead, it was they were shooting free throws because I got teed up. And then I was really confused because then I didn't know what the rules were after that. So I've had two of them. That one I certainly deserved. Um, the other one, I don't know. And I give, our, I give officials a lot of credit because uh, they could tee coaches up all the time. Right. But um, I'm also a guy that wants to build the game, and uh, officials aren't going to be perfect. Um, we had a few things, you know, on the GPAC tournament. I'm sure you remember uh, um, you know, or our post player fouls out 40 feet from the basket, right? <laughs> Come on. You know, silly things like that should not happen. Right. And, um, so there's just a lot of, I give officials a lot of credit. I, I'd rather be doing what I'm doing than what they're doing. Right. But we need to get young people involved in the game again. And uh, I don't know how we got to do that because a lot of these officials are also getting, getting older. And uh, so we got to get younger people involved. It, it, and it can't just be money. It has to be a movement of sorts to get does. younger people excited to be an official, whether it's softball or baseball. Kids, kids aren't, you know, kids aren't wired to have thick skin as much today. Yeah. They get barked at a little bit. Then that means they're a failure. No, I don't think so. You, you just, somebody's going to disagree with you. That's yeah. okay. It, it would probably, in my opinion, be easier to be an official at the college level mm -hmm. first and then maybe high school and then downward because I've been through the AAU yes. circuit and the small kid sports mm -hmm. and that's where the worst fans are. Yes. Parents, grandparents, you know, yeah. I mean, by the time you get up to that higher, higher levels, I think people have been around so many games are either burned out of yelling at officials yeah. or, yeah. The, or the play's better. Or, yeah. Or the play is better, which <laughs> hopefully yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And just that uh, youth sports movement. And, um, you know, I go to a lot of tournaments and there's always one person in the crowd that just is lacking in perspective. And you just go, Oof, okay, good luck to that kid. Right? Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> so would you, would you ever stick around coaching long enough to coach your grandkids? If Boy, they played that's sports a, that's or played basketball? Time. That's a long time. That's a... Yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm not going to so. hold you to it. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, um, I, I had the opportunity for two years to watch my daughter play, not coaching her. Um, I coached her in high school, then had two years of her first two years at uh, college that I got to just be a dad in the stands and, 
then I was known as Peyton's dad. And you know, that's, that's fun just being a dad. Yeah. Um, then I got, became the coach and then all those friends had to, you know, learn to see me in a different light again. Um, with, with my son, you know, I, uh, got to sit in the stands and watch him. I uh, didn't coach him until he was a junior, senior in high school. Then I got to watch him in his college career. And it's awesome being a dad in the stands. It's, it's awesome. I, there, you know, if you, if you can just go and enjoy and look at it as a, a great opportunity for your kids and man, it's, I don't think there's anything better, but so I'm assuming that when my grandkids get to that age, um, I, I, I think I'll probably just enjoy being a grandpa and sitting in the stands and, you know, let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> no, nope, fair enough. That's cool. That's cool. But I, I'm also competitive. So I don't know. I, I, I've only had one year in my career, Corey, where I didn't coach. And uh, Shauna, my wife, said I was kind of miserable um, <laughs> just because there was no outlet for that. And you're a competitive guy, too. Yeah. And, and you got to find that outlet. And I have coaching mentors that have retired, and um, they have to find an outlet for that. And uh, Yeah. Because it's... I mean, who doesn't love to compete, right? And it's uh, that's what makes it fun. Well, and yeah, I mean, my conversation with a lot of people is retirement. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. so you 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 retire. It doesn't matter what your career is. You got to have something to get out of bed for. You got to be yeah. productive. Yeah. And when you're in a competitive environment like yours, that's a tough switch to flip from going mm -hmm. sixty miles an hour to zero yeah. in that field. Yeah. Maybe you could go into broadcasting. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Going to broadcasting, I there there's got to be something though that I'll have to fill in the blanks, and and I understand that, and I understand, you know, just watching some of my mentors go through it. It's either you know they golf and uh, you know they sit behind our bench at our games and yeah. and uh, get a phone call every now and then, which is great, and and uh, there's got to be something else, and right, and the older we get, you know, the more I kind of think about it too, and um, I've. Yeah, that I'll cross that bridge when we get there. Hopefully, it's a ways down the road. Stay in the yeah. moment. Yeah. Stay in the moment. <laughs> well, here's another fun surprise I'll give you. When we have guests on, we usually go to uh, Chat GPT, artificial <laughs> intelligence, to see what we can find for dirt. Okay. This is Eric's famous trick. So, so I typed your name into there, or somebody on my staff did. And interestingly enough, we found out that Bill Harmson invented the Jolly yes. Rancher Candy Company. Yes. You knew that? Yes. And because when I talk to recruits, <laughs> the first time I talk to them, I always give them a homework assignment. And, you know, I want you to research Dort, go to the website, look up articles. And I said, I want you to research me too. But I always tell them, you got to put in Bill Harmson basketball <laughs> because Bill Harmson is also the inventor of Jolly Rancher candy. Damn, I thought I was going <laughs> to, I thought I had you on that one today. Yeah. So that's interestingly enough because yeah. then the Jolly Rancher brand was sold to Hershey's. So I, oh. <laughs> whoever that guy is, might have a better net worth than you. That's Just saying. Right. That's right. But the good news for you is that artificial intelligence basically isn't in the present. So you can still write your own future yes. for okay. artificial intelligence. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We have, we have gone full circle. Yeah. I know we're running out of time, but I'm going to throw two quick words at you that, okay. that, that I bounced out initially to before we even, you know, booked this. And that was achievement and leadership. Yeah. It, it, you don't have to go super deep, but those mean anything to you? They do. Um, and I think, you know, the, the leadership aspect, especially with college women, you know, I think I do things differently with our program and that we don't really name captains. 
And I think that every woman that comes through our program has to be equipped with leadership skills, um, no matter you know, if they're a, the head nurse on their floor, if they're leading that engineering firm and, and I mean, leading their household. Right. And so we try and go through, we go through a book by John Gordon, the power of positive leadership. And, and I've read that book now probably 10 times and I find something new in it every time. And we spend time going through that book with our juniors and seniors and just a leadership group, I call them. And, and, uh, from that book, um, I ask them two questions. What do you stand for? What do you want to be known for? They have to come up with ideas from that book, combine them with their own thoughts and the conversations, and then finally decide, okay, what, who are we really? All right. Teams change. The names may say the same, but situations and may change for them, right? They, Hayden's going to be a, Hayden's a different kid today than what she was when she came in as an 18 year old freshman. Kids change. And right. We got to be willing to change and, and I got to be willing to change with them. So from those two questions, we develop a vision statement. All right. Um, we talk about leadership being lonely and it's really difficult for 18 to 22 year old females. Uh, it's really easy for them to encourage and cheer on. It's very difficult to hold somebody's feet to the fire. What I've noticed in our uh, just with e trying to equip our women with those, with those thoughts and their, the responsibility of our team has gone up, right? Their, their empathy for one another has gone up. Their willingness to understand and serve others has gone up. And it's really fun to see that take place just because uh, of, a, of a book by John Gordon and then putting all the pieces of, of the puzzle together in their mind and what, what really is a leader, all right? We take care of, you know, leading with love and serving with passion and radiating positivity and having that Christ-like purpose. Those are all high levels of achievement to begin with. And then what everybody else gets to see is those, you know, 30 nights on the basketball floor. And I'm going to go full circle on this. I think because we keep all those other things in priority and in perspective, the win is the byproduct. And, you know, the last two years, recruiting's been better. The, the product on the floor has been better, but what people don't see is all the behind the scene things in the locker room and the screwing around those kids do. And they, <laughs> they just love each other. And yeah. I get to spend days with them out in the Black Hills and just the stories and the silliness and the fun and, you know, getting stranded west of Rapid City in a hailstorm. I mean, there's just all these goofy things that just come up and that's where the, the real achievement really comes in. Right. Yeah. And so I think as long as we continue to keep our eye, you know, on, on leading with love and serving with passion, positivity and having Christ-like purpose, I see no reason why this program can't continue to accelerate and, uh, and continue to get better. Man, I'm fired up. Yeah. I'm ready to cool. run through a wall. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. You, you can play the point yet, right? I got a little bit of game, I think. You got some game yet? At least I think. <laughs> I, I go to the gym and shoot a few three-pointers and make one out of six and think, yeah, that was, that was, a, good, yeah. That was a good flow, That's a good, good rhythm. Good. <laughs> well, the beauty of my job is I get to know all these women. We, we, we kind of test their personalities, right, so I can know what buttons to push and which ones to stay away from. And I screw up with that sometimes, right, in the heat of the moment. But, man, do we get to know those kids really well, those women. I keep calling them kids. Yeah. 
but man, do we get to know those women really well. Um, and I joke around with Hayden about uh, she's responsible for this gray hair over here. <laughs> there and, you go. And she just laughs, man. It's just so fun. She's, she's great. So it's, anytime you're dealing with people, it doesn't matter the industry, it's behavioral. It you is. know, you got to manage fun. emotions and... Well, I don't know. That's not really where I was going with that. It might not be fun at all times, but I mean, you deal with people, different personalities, and yeah, it's, you it's, manage what you can manage, I guess. Tell you what, it's a blessed life, and it's uh, really fun, and, and uh, that college game, you know, just being able to get to know so many people from around the country and uh, share Dort's story and share our story, is, uh, and then being able to do something like this, right? I yeah. mean, I would have never expected to be on a podcast with you either, Corey. I mean, this is really fun. And so to be able to, uh, you know, sit down and kind of talk about vision and strategy and structure and, you know, we didn't really hit structure a whole lot, but the other two, you know, are maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll have you back. Yeah, part two, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see how the first one takes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, this is good stuff. I appreciate you coming in today. Hey, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Eric. Hey, this is, this has been fantastic. And I've got a few things to say because I've just been sitting here kind of basking in this conversation. Corey, number one, remind me never to play tic-tac-toe at your house. Because if fist fights are going on over tic-tac-toe, I don't know if I can hold my own. So, you, Well, you want to know that. You should see us when we play. Is it lawn darts? Remember oh, those yeah, things yeah. from the 70s yeah. or 80s? Yeah. They oh, probably yeah, are we, banned yeah. in most countries now, but they had the sharp yeah. point on them. That's right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'll tell you, Bill, some of the things that you were talking about really um, got me because the you're saying you know 30 games on the court, right? Those women are making memories that will last a lifetime, a few memories from the court. But like you said, it's the in-between stuff, the relationships, the other things, the, the other things that are going on between the times they're actually on the court that are going to last even longer. Oh, and yeah, I think that absolutely. that's where they draw those memories from and the things that they've learned about themselves and they're learning on the court, they're going to be able to pass to their kids. But then the fun memories like hailstorms and and road trips and that's that's just got to be amazing. So that that's I love that you spoke to that. And then, Corey, I'm going to give you a flashback, or I'm going to I'm going to do a flashback for you. It's not a very long one. It was from yesterday, <laughs> but but when Bill, when you were talking about officials having hard jobs and you respect them a lot, I love hearing that from a coach because it is difficult. I was at my grandson's game yesterday, bas uh, baseball, not basketball, and there's just one ump, a younger guy, because my grandson's eight. So you know they get these younger kids in there. And but this one was a little older than most. I think he was probably fourteen or fifteen, um, compared compared to like the twelve year olds I have behind the plate sometimes. And he's trying to call a good game. <laughs> and one of the kids, one of our kids, runs to second base, goes past it a little bit, and comes back and and doesn't get tagged. Right. So if you know the rules, he's safe. And the the umpire calls him safe, but the assistant coach from the other team out in the field calls him out. Like he can do that, right? He, just, he calls him out. And he's like, well, no, he left the bag. He's not allowed to leave a bag. <laughs> And so on, the umps man. trying to explain the rules to a coach and it's just like, these are eight year old kids and he's getting all heated. That poor umpire stood his ground, did a great job, was very respectful, didn't throw him out or anything, but I'm like, really, you're arguing with a kid and you don't even know the rules of the game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's a tough job, man, no matter what sport you're in. Um, so I love that you gave a shout out to them. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Bill, again, thank you so much for being a great guest. Corey, this is this has been fantastic. Um, I think that the entire theme of the show today really revolved around, you know, it's not just the win, it's what's in between. Um, and in your podcast, what's important now is talking about every in-between moment. 
yeah, you can't take care of uh, tomorrow if you don't handle today, you know? And so yeah. that's what we want to do. Yep. And I know we have a, a link in the show notes to get a hold of you, but why don't you give some contact info just in case somebody wants to get a hold of you earlier? Yeah, give us a call. 800 657 4316. We're happy to talk to you. Fantastic. All right, Bill, Corey, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Win podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities.